How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked on Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined, as always, by Harrison Fagan. I think I just pronounced my own last name improperly. I mean, you mispronounced my last name wrong, too, so we're off to a good start once again. I think I just called myself Anthony Owen. I'm Anthony Irwin, uh, just to to be clear, and I am joined by Harrison Fagan, just to be clear. This is the Locked on Lakers show. We are off to yet another great start this, uh, this week. Have we had one good start this week? No, you I know, don't think I think daily shows we just this is our training camp. Yeah, we are it's not training camp yet. for everybody. Yeah, and now my dog is barking. So that's wonderful. <laughs> All right, so today's show uh we're going to talk about Lonzo's amazing scrimmaging ability and the starters lack thereof. We are going to talk about whether Julius Randle is in a little bit of trouble and then after those two topics uh, Adam Silver gave his statement about how he expects NBA players to handle the anthem stuff as we get ready for the NBA season. If you want us to stick to sports, you can pretend we did and just sign off after we're done talking about Julius Randle. But listen to this next two parts because we're going to talk a lot about sports before yes, we. Get it's going to be politics. very sports heavy. It's going to be yes. very sports heavy as we talk about Lonzo Ball uh, going three and zero. And how hungry Lakers fans are for for positive headlines that this is an actual thing that we're we're taking count of Lonzo's scrimmage record, and then we're going to talk about what I think is actually more interesting: the Julius Randle stuff. Uh, Luke Walton says he prefers that their bigs outlet the ball to Lonzo, get the ball in Lonzo's hands as quickly as possible, and get down the court after that. That kind of sort of wastes Julius Randle's maybe best ability. I would probably say best ability. Yeah. Okay. So first, uh, really quickly, since we're sticking to sports, I want to get into Russia. And um, <laughs> I just no. Uh, so Julius Randle, I think I was very optimistic. We just did that podcast with Trevor Lane, where I think I was maybe high, higher on him than either of you. And I, I still think that he can have a very good year. And I was very optimistic with the way that Lonzo might transform and help his game a little bit and make him more effective. But I even I was a little bit like I'm not going to say nervous because I don't really care, but Turn like I, I was like put a little bit of there, like the caution flags went up, I yeah. guess, when they were talking about, no, you know, for right now, we're just going to have point guards push it. And then he was talking about how the starting spot isn't guaranteed, which I guess is what he kind of has to say. But at the same time, Randall's been the starter. So wouldn't it kind of more be like it's Randall's spot to lose? I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm nitpicking semantics, but it seems 
the the move my my opinion of where Julius Randle is going to be this season w- was dropped a little bit today but between the combination of those two things and you know maybe this is an overreaction I don't know but that 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 was just my initial thought that was my takeaways from the stuff coming out of training camp today so we'll do you want to start there with the you want to keep going with the Randall stuff and switch it up and then we'll talk about Lonzo's scrimmaging after this because I I think honestly the thing that's vastly more important here is is uh Julius Randall like vastly exponentially more important and interesting I definitely thought that we were going to talk about Randall first. Okay. So. Well, that's cool. So <laughs> the so I would agree that so if you aren't going to have Julius Randall rebound and go, right? If he isn't going to board and go, then don't have him start. Let him let him let him come Maybe, up. Yeah, have him be the point guard with the bench unit. I don't know. Like, yeah, like ha- have him come off the bench, and when Lonzo's taking a breather, and you still want to keep up your pace. Then you let him come off the bench, you let him rebound and go, and you just let him rebound into you dribble basically into shooters the way he did all last year. I think he was I forget what the stat was that, that uh Matt from Hardwood Paroxysm uh sent out there, but but Randall was great as a as a big in transition at getting assists and Yeah, those little kickbacks, he just killed it on those all last year. Every single time he was almost to his detriment towards the end of the year because teams started to scout it out and they knew what his plan was mm-hmm. and they would kinda like give him a little bit more room and he would kinda get a little lost in my eyes. But yeah, I mean, for the most of the year, he was amazing at that. He would push and push and push, draw on all the help, and then just give that little kickback for a three. It was honestly one of my favorite plays consistently throughout the year. Yeah, it was fun to watch because it's it's like fun to watch guys be unselfish. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was my, my first. So, my first inclination was if you're not going to use him properly, if you're not going to, because that is what he's best at. He is a, he is really good at getting the ball off of the glass and getting out into transition and creating in transition. He is not as good in the half court. He is not as good defensively, obviously. So if you aren't going to use his best talent, then put him in a situation where you can actually use his best talent. If you, I mean, it sounds like they want that regardless of what unit you're playing with, though. All the talk on media day was about how all of these guys are going to like they want all of the point guards to play the way Lonzo does as far as just getting the ball and pushing it. And so Luke said right now, like he, he didn't say just when Lonzo's on the floor, he said all the fours and fives are to look for a point guard, not look for Lonzo. And so that's what makes me think, you know, maybe Randall's best skills are not going to be being used in here. And it's by far his best talent. Yeah, I mean, it's not he like becomes... he's valueless otherwise, but the big point of playing a guy like that, the, a huge human being that can move and bowl people over, is to be able to let him, you know, as as my old boss Drew Garrison coined, run the jewels in transition. Yeah, and so that was that was a little off-putting. Uh, and, and look, the other thing Do you too... think he's a bust now? Do you feel justified <laughs> for saying that he was horrible on that gondola? Uh... No, <laughs> but I will say this makes me question some of Luke Walton's coaching ability. Like, I think that's allowed to be questioned here. If this is if this is something that you. they if they legitimately if they legitimately stick with this and Luke Walton, any coach's job is to put each and every player in their best situation to succeed as it helps the team. Doing this, so I think that's the cat. I think that's the important distinction here. As it helps the team, I think he may feel that it helps the team to get the ball to Lonzo more than it helps the team to run the jewels. And I just flatly disagree. 
like 100 per, 150% disagree that that's I I agree I disagree that that's the best way to use Randall. I don't know that I do disagree that that's the best way for the team to play. Well, I, I would say look Hardline and stances. I think the scrimmages may may demonstrate some of that. Well, I mean, we don't know if they were like half court scrimmages or like we don't know what kind of scrimmage they were. If Lonzo Ball was winning, they were probably have full court. Maybe, but we don't know, <laughs> right? It would make sense, but we don't know. And and look, I just I'm I am I am against hardline stances ninety nine percent of the time, right? Like usually. If you have a rule that you're making for the entire team and you have a player whose skill set doesn't fit that rule, you make an exception. You say every four or five on this team should find Lonzo or find a point guard and get down the court except for this guy because it's what he's best at. And look, I'm, I'm, and maybe that'll change. Maybe that'll change. Maybe that, it's a blanket rule for now and maybe that will change. And and that was my kind of second thought where, you know, the the thing stopping me from completely going off of the rails, flying off of the rails here and trashing Walton on Twitter was this might be something. Look, Julius Randle and Lonzo Ball have never played a second of basketball together, of actual game minutes together, and this might just be something that they they have as a rule right now until the two develop chemistry, until the two understand the kind of timing that is necessary to to get the transition game running efficiently, uh, and once that starts taking place. Then we'll look at it again. Uh, but and and you know maybe I was missing parts of the quotes where you know if there was a follow up question about is this a is a is this a strategy moving forward in perpetuity or is this just something until everybody starts figuring each other out? I don't know. I didn't see any further quotes on it. But as it stands right now, if this is a rule set in perpetuity, that's something to be a little concerned about because again, if you're taking this away from Randall. You may as well just play Nance, play Kuzma at the four, just just you know, and, and move Randall because he's not going to be used efficiently on this team. I would say that without Randall running it in transition, he does lose a lot of the value that he has to the point where I, I could see Nance or Kuzma being more valuable in those t- in that type of style than him if he is not allowed to push pace and transition unless he's massively improved as a defender and or shooter and or passer and the the other thing too that that is a little worrisome here is look you and i have talked about it a bunch i don't know if randall lasts this year on the lakers and if you're going to take away his best attribute with this policy or with this strategy then his trade value kind of falls through the floor as well, right? So this I was just... going to say that, yeah. It's going it's to be a lot more likely that he makes it through the year on the team if you're kind of taking away the thing that he does best. Yeah. And, and... again, I don't—I'm not even in that much of a rush to say that this is that bad of a decision by Walton. I mean, I think we kind of have to see how it works out and how it goes because I, I, I don't think it's out of the question that they are better off just having Ball push it. I, I thought that— me personally, I think, you know, having more options and a more diverse transition attack might be better. But maybe there's a chance that Ball is playing so well that it's actually detrimental to the team to have anybody else push it. And if they do figure this out, so I, I used the comparison on Twitter today that 
if they do figure this out, if they if if they find a way that Lonzo gets the outlet pass, Randall gets out in front quickly enough that he gets the pass on the other side of that initial kind of wave of defenders, the bigs who were trying to get the offensive rebound and you know maybe stick their hands up or or stick their bodies in in Julius Randall's way as he tries to go coast to coast. If they can figure out a way that the ball gets out to Lonzo, Randall runs past that initial line of defense and is immediately in what I call the secondary. I don't know if you're a football guy at all, but this is what I would always scream at the Vikings for not doing is I would I would always get annoyed that they wouldn't run play action with Adrian Peterson, get him in behind the linebackers so that all he had to do was turn around and run against the secondary, basically, the the. the uh, safeties and the cornerbacks who are much smaller than linebackers and he would have you know he'd run rampant out there and whenever they did I would just I just want to shake the coaches and say, why aren't you doing that more often so if the Lakers are kind of employing the same kind of strategy and allowing Randall to leapfrog that initial line of defense without the ball then get the ball and only have maybe one or two guards in his way that he has to make a decision against then okay, maybe this makes sense. But for right now, until I actually see that take place, I, I, I think I don't blame anybody for being worried about it. I, I, I guess. I don't know. It, it's, it's also the third day of training camp, and I'm not in a huge rush to jump to conclusions, I guess, as well. I mean, yeah. there's a chance that this policy changes on Saturday night when they play their first game. I mean, maybe it just, like, it doesn't go as well and they want to diversify things. I don't know. Like, it, <laughs> it's still very, very early. It would be really funny if Randall gets a rebound and then Walton runs on out. On the first ta- play. <laughs> well, he, like, he he starts to dribble up the court and Walton runs out and tackles him. <laughs> no, we worked on this. <laughs> Julius, we. I, I honestly, I don't know that Luke Walton could tackle Julius Randle, but it would be entertaining. Are there? He, any, he rides on his back. Are there any coaches in the NBA right now who could tackle Julius Randle? That's a very good question. I don't know. I feel like Greg Popovich probably knows some like weird martial arts that could like drop him. <laughs> some oddly efficient way. He has like he has like that Vulcan nerve pinch thing. I think Greg Popovich probably knows that. Yeah. Or you know he is the the white king or what's it called the the king of the, the knights walk- king the knights king yeah he's basically the knights that king was, so that was a Freudian slip so he <laughs> he would basically get that little javelin thing and throw it at Randall it worked against the dragon so I don't see why it wouldn't work against the power and it would make sense that he would if he was going to do that that he would throw it at Randall rather than like at the biggest threat on the team yeah you know that was like standing right in the light like Alonzo Ball would be standing right in front of him doing jumping jacks and he'd be like no Kobe and then like throw it at Randall from across the court yeah he would actually go into the tunnel and make sure like make the throw further and then throw it at him Uh, so I again that went to a place I was not prepared for but I think so I mean to tie a bow on this I'm not that worried I'm not super worried about it yet but I think that there is reason to believe that maybe Randall is not going to have as good of a year as his abs would lead you to believe yes yeah we'll 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 see how this all turns out. And that's basically all we can do on all of these narratives and storylines from, from training camp. Is it, It's all a wait-and-see game. Yeah. Speaking of yeah, wait I and mean, see- it's like we talked about yesterday. Some of these narratives, are there are reasons for them, but doesn't make them true. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, so speaking of wait-and-see, a lot of Laker fans are not ready, are not willing to wait-and-see with Lonzo Ball. They are waiting on, on 
the edge they're waiting seats. on hall of fame induction is yeah. what they're waiting on <laughs> for any possible good news that they could possibly get about their new rookie point guard lonzo ball is undefeated in the nba so far anthony that's what we learned today yeah yeah i mean minus the games that he lost in vegas and then that one time he ducked De'Aaron fox but other than that he's he's off to a, a Amendous, amazing start. Amendous. I just combined so, amazing and tremendous. Yes. So what we're alluding to here is, in case you've been living under a rock, the Lonza, the Lakers scrimmage for the first time on Wednesday night. So as we're recording this on Thursday, it came out uh, to Thursday morning that Lonzo's teams had went three and zero against the starters, and that Lonzo's team included was him, Vander Blue, Corey Brewer, Kyle Kuzma, and Thomas Bryant. That was the team. Yeah. One more time, because I'm dumbfounded. So the team was Lonzo Ball, Vander Blue, Corey Brewer, Kyle Kuzma, and Thomas Bryant. Huh. And it was against it was against starters for sure. It was against like other other. There were starters playing against them. Right, right. So, do you know? I, which I don't starters? know that we have confirmed that, that what the other teams were. I know Randall's team didn't look like it was like that good, but I mean, there's only so many players, so right. I would assume that like one of the other teams maybe had like still. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of struggling with whether or not this is a better sign for Lonzo or a worse sign for the Lakers starters. Well, it depends one on how many starters were actually in the other on the other teams, right? Like, uh, if if it was if it was literally that team that you listed against four of the other five starters. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, with the Randall thing in question, we don't know who four of the other five starters are. But Randall's team did not look that good. I forget exactly. I saw it pop across my Twitter timeline who what team Randall was on, but it, it, his team didn't look like it was that amazing. But yeah. So I mean, it just the fact that they're going up against starters and he's going three and zero with guys that aren't projected to really be in the rotation this year. Like Vander Blue might not even make the team. Corey Brewer is probably not going to play much. Kyle Kuzma again, no guarantee he's going to play a lot. Thomas Bryant's probably going to spend the whole year in the D League. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. So, all right, so G League. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't think. So on one hand, I can understand. Uh, the concern about the other starters, right? I, I can totally get it. But I, I think it also says something about the way Lonzo allows others to play, especially in a scrimmage setting where it's really rare, I would imagine, that teams are scoring at this point in the half court, even in scrimmage settings, because they're still learning all of these sets, right? So Lonzo enables these guys to get out in transition. Corey Brewer, that's all he wants to do is get out in trans transition. Of all the true centers that the Lakers have, I would probably say Thomas Bryant runs the best out of all of them. So if he's getting out in transition and if he's rim running, then he would stand a benefit in that sense as well. Kyle Kuzma, we already saw how he played in Vegas with Lonzo. If they picked up where they left off, then great. And if, if he's going to continue to shoot 48% from the three as he uh, was perfectly fine predicting for himself, awesome. And then Vander Blue again. You, you're looking. You, it's, these guys have all played together, whereas a lot of the guys that it sounds like they were going up against haven't. Uh, so I, I guess I guess I'm I'm 
I'm not as low as the starters on that front because we are so you're, early. You're taking it more as this is a good sign of ball yeah, rather I, I, than a bad sign for the starters. I would. And and look, I think it's all going to be in the eye of the beholder. If you are if you want to throw dirt on the Lakers while they're still down, you're going to mock the starters. If you're hoping to be and remain optimist, uh, optimistic about these Lakers, then you're going to say this is kind of cool for Lonzo. I, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I, I would argue, I, I think it's more of a sign of how dynamic Lonzo can be rather than a bad sign for the starters, even though that's like a less entertaining, less hot take. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that it, it's just it goes back to this whole idea that he really can make guys better. It's a cliche, but he does. He makes these guys better. Like Vander Blue was the G League MVP, but he was still in the G League all of last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's like I said, all these guys probably aren't going to play that many minutes. And so for them to go 3-0, and I think, is more of a sign of how good ball is rather than a sign of the Lakers starters being not that good, although the Lakers starters are not, like, that great. Yeah, and it's semantic. It's, it's a semantic difference here but i would probably change it from saying how good lonzo is versus like i would instead of saying you know that lonzo will be great or anything like that based off of three scrimmages i will say that the way he enables others to play just getting out in transition makes players better and his style also is very friendly for these types of scrimmages where it's going to be very helter skelter. Mm-hmm. There's just going to be a lot of transition running. And like Kyle Kuzma, we saw it. He just doesn't stop running. He's just going to outlet and Lonzo's going to find him. And so in a kind of disorganized, discombobulated first day of training camp, second day of training camp type setting, I, I think that's very conducive to Lonzo being able to dominate. Yeah. And, and look, in extension to the points that we're making here is I can't wait to see the Lakers starters play with Lonzo. <laughs> like I, yeah. <laughs> uh, anywho, but like I said, and, and I think, I think you're right on the money that it's, it can be a combination of both and it just depends on where your stance is on the Lakers as you go into finding out, you know, learning this news about the scrimmages that's that's going to paint your reaction to the news. That's true for sure. And I can't believe that we're debating scrimmages. Although I guess it's better than debating just like narratives. Like we're almost back to actual basketball. Almost we're very there. close. Almost. Uh, I, what, one more thing before we lose our entire listenership because you decide to drop political takes. I did want to say that I thought that the chemistry, I really, I've enjoyed the chemistry between Lonzo and Kuzma. It's extending even off the court now. And uh, my favorite quote so far uh, of Lakers, like of this season, the preseason training camp process so far, it was Lonzo today on Kuzma. And I don't know what the question was, but in college, he wasn't even that good, to be honest. I don't (laughs) even remember him when we played them. Now I'm happy he's on my team. That is the most hilariously backhanded compliment of all time. That's tremendous. Tell us how you really feel, Lonzo. Like, imagine imagine if you and I didn't start this podcast together, and you and I were coming from two different podcasts, and you said, you know, somebody asked you about the successes that, that the small successes that, that Lake, uh, Lockdown Lakers has had, 
and you'd say something like, you know, he was on another show and I didn't even think he was that good. But, you know, like, it's honestly, out so I far. thought his Twitter account was just like a, a spam bot. <laughs> yeah, that I've had was him designed to make years. people angry. And, you know, so for us to come on the show and me to overcome the deficit of having him on it and still like carry locked on Lakers to any meager success it has been uh, it's been really meaningful sorry what was the was the question about what i like about anthony sorry <laughs> that's a great quote all right so fair warning you've been warned if you don't want to hear anthem talk if you don't want to hear you know social justice talk or or any of that stuff you are free to sign off and we will talk to you again tomorrow if you are interested in this all right thanks everybody yeah, I am. I am grateful. Thank grateful to any who who stick around for this. This isn't even going to be a political talk. It's it's going. I'm going to stay away as much as I possibly can from the actual politics and keep this grounded in logic as much as I possibly can. Cool. Let's do it. I've never been more scared for a segment, but let's do it. All right. So. Adam Silver, there are a couple different quotes out there, but the one that, that struck me the most was Adam Silver. This is via Ian Bagley of the of ESPN, ESPN New York. Yeah. Uh, he says, Adam Silver said he expects players to continue to stand for the anthem and cites the NBA rule that requires players to do so. Okay? Yeah. Did he not also say that he would deal with it on a case-by-case basis, though? I don't know how you deal with this on a case-by-case basis. It sounds like a cut-and-dry rule. Yeah, he said he, he said Adam Silver says such a situation would be dealt with if it arises. Okay, so if it arises – so they already asked LeBron James in the – this is the, the, the first name that kind of popped into my head was LeBron because he called Trump, quote, you bum, right? On, he, he sent that tweet out there and then – asked a reporter to re- <laughs> to repeat that quote back to him which was which was funny but uh when i hear case by case basis it's like okay if no offense intended but if vander blue kneels for the anthem adam silver will probably come down pretty hard on on vander blue and have no problem doing so because it's vander blue but if lebron james kneels or if an entire roster kneels now he has a larger problem on his hands because the last thing that you want, and this is the this is what gets kind of overlooked in this entire thing in the NFL. If Colin Kaepernick had been signed, he was promising that he wasn't going to kneel. So if Colin Kaepernick gets signed and he stands for the anthem, we all move on. Maybe maybe our president sends out a tweet uh, condemning whichever team signs Colin Kaepernick. But at the end of the day, if he gets signed and he stands for an anthem, everybody kind of sort of just moves on, probably. And if if Adam Silver suspends somebody for kneeling, even if it's by the rules, I think he's bringing more attention to an issue than he would if he just said, look, it's 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 a an American's right to do whatever they please for the anthem based on the First Amendment, right? And And now the counter to that is that a private organization such as the NBA or such as any employer can put it in their rules to, to tell their employees you are expected to act as such when the anthem comes on. And that's, and that's, the, that's the battle here is, is that rule constitutional or is it, is it constitutional to 
force any employer to have any such rule in the first place, right? Because if you have a private organization, you should be allowed to make any rule that is not that does not hurt your employee directly or put them in any kind of danger directly. That should so long as that isn't taking place, then you know, some would think that it's not the legislative or the the government's uh, right or role to step in and force any kind of rule or rule change on that employer. So that's what's going on here. I just think personally, and that's and and this is that I try to frame this as is saying you know presenting as much context as I possibly can. I just think right now in 2017, given everything that's going on, I don't think it serves the NBA very well to continue to keep this rule because there's too much going on to just say well you know rules rule what, what would yeah, you say? no and it's the context is totally different now than it was last year last year when it was a protest I, I guess like you know some people are uncomfortable with that some people didn't agree with the protest some people were misinformed about, about the protests all that stuff but the time like to, it was never really okay to be able to tell athletes to stick to sports, but you certainly can't tell them to stick to sports when politicians aren't sticking to politics. And it's become a thing where the president is tweeting at these players on Twitter. Uh, you know, uh, he's sending tweets at them or not at them, but about them. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like calling them out in spe- in speeches, political speeches, and it, it's become such a nationwide thing that I don't think that you can just say like, "Hey, you guys can't respond. You can't. You have. You have to ignore all this." I. I just don't think that that's right or fair to expect them to these are real concerns and real issues that these guys have and they should be allowed to express that if they want to I, I just don't see who this is helping by telling them that they can't express themselves and again we don't know that they can express themselves Adam Silver kind of made it sound like he'd deal with it if it happened and so we'll see what happens when it happens but I, I just don't it's kind of a bad PR move for the league to even like dilly dally around it like this. And I get it. He has bosses, some of whom are probably very conservative and he probably has to talk a little bit like this on some level. Mm -hmm. But the NBA has by far been the most socially conscious and, you know, like most socially aware. And I guess for lack of a better term, woke league. And it's like the most diverse league. It's the most politically outspoken. And I think that that's what bring a lot of people to it. And the people that suppressing anthem protests appeal to are generally not NBA fans, in my experience. Right. Like this would. So we're seeing it have a legitimate effect on the NFL. Now, I'm not I'm not going to go out and say, and I don't believe people when they say that the ratings dip in the NFL has anything to do with these anthem protests. The Monday Night Football this past week, I think, was one of the higher watched, the most watched Monday Night Football games in a little while. Uh, I think it was up 63% against last year's Monday Night Football game on in week three, I think, was the stat that I saw thrown out there. I'm not so so based on those facts there I'm not going to say that the anthem protests have affected the league might they eventually sure maybe because I think eventually people are going to say enough is enough but for me personally being a person of color I am I am my mom's maiden name is is Martinez uh I I am I don't sound like it and I've I've had to suppress it to a certain extent but my accent isn't isn't one of a of a Mexican uh, which you would te- usually uh, equate with a Mexican Mexican accent. I, I don't speak like that, but I have been put in situations where it would be cool if 
the people who I root for on a nightly basis, the athletes who kids and adults alike look up to as superhuman because of the things that they can do physically, if they stood for some of the things or stood against some of the things that have taken place over over the course of this nation's uh, history, and they do so peacefully, and they continue to do so peacefully, and they don't ask for any kind of violence, then I don't think it's it's for the NBA or it's for any employer for that matter to stand up and say, no, you guys can't stand for that stuff. You guys yeah, have it, to continue to abide the injustice that, that continues. Yeah, it's free speech. And, you know, you, you should be – I get that you can't – like at, at your place of work, your employer gets to decide what you can and can't do in ways that you can and can't demonstrate. But I just – I don't really see the benefit in anyone being told not to do this. Yeah, and, and look – the, just like we talked about earlier on in the show with stuff that's going on in training camp with the Lakers, this is all a wait-and-see thing. We'll see what happens the first time an NBA player kneels. LeBron said he's not going to kneel. He said, I think the quote was that his knee doesn't matter nearly as much as his voice. And if he continues to lend his voice out there, then does he necessarily need to kneel during a basketball game? Maybe not, right? Yeah, so, probably. I mean, probably not. Like he's been certainly more outspoken verbally on the issue than Kaepernick really ever was. Right. So we'll see if if and when a suspension comes or if and when Adam Silver decides to pass on suspending a player, then fine. We handle it when that time comes. It's just something that, again, as you put, I thought you put it very well. The time to stick to points to stick to sports has kind of come and passed because the the people who are in politics have done a pretty good job of blurring that line themselves. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if you want more of my thoughts on it, I did shameless plug right about this for the Daily Titan this week. So that's around. All right. So that does it for that discussion here. Uh, if if this discussion comes up again, I promise Harrison and I will warn you, just like we did this time, if you are not interested in it. In it in well, the, the people that we warned, they already left. Yeah, so. they, probably, they probably are gone. They're gone. But for those so. of you who stuck around, and if For you those of you fun, super fans, yeah. thank you for sticking around. Thank you, all five of you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> As always, find the show on Audioboom, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break, Alexa, and Spotify. I am Anthony Irwin. That is Harrison Fagan. Oh, should we talk about the game? What what we should expect? From, well, we already kind of late for that. We should huh? expect preseason basketball. Yeah, we're gonna. I we're, don't have many thoughts on a Timberwolves Lakers season previous preseason preview. <laughs> I'm I'm expecting overreactions. That's one thing I'm expecting. Yes, Lonzo's a bust. Let's get ready. <laughs> have a good one, everybody. We will talk to you again on Monday.